I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino's home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking. When we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. On this episode of Newt's World, I want to share with you some thoughts about the relationship between Hamas, Winston Churchill, and the survival of Israel. I've watched virtually for my entire lifetime the development of Israel as a country, the intense hostility, which at one time was true across the entire Arab world, but which has gradually eroded as first Egypt and Jordan and then other countries have actually moved to recognize Israel and in some cases have gone so far as to open up tourism and enable what you would think of as the beginning of normalization. Under President Trump's leadership, they actually began to break through and have countries sign up under what was called the Abrahamic Accords based on the idea that both Arabs and Jews are descendants of Abraham. And yet, within a very short time after President Biden took office, the whole spirit of what's going on in Israel changed dramatically. And from an optimistic, how many more countries are going to recognize Israel, we went into a cycle of how many missiles can Hamas fire at Israel. And I'm profoundly opposed to the analysis of our elites and to their call for a ceasefire and to the way they actually think about this problem. And the reason I bring in Winston Churchill is in the 1930s, Churchill began to worry about the rise of Adolf Hitler. And he became, I think, the only major elected British politician to actually read Mein Kampf, the book that Hitler wrote while he was in prison after the attempted coup of 1924. Mein Kampf, or My Way, is a remarkable book 
in which a man who's clearly insane outlines his insane plans and why they're the right thing to do. Now, because Churchill had actually read it and was appropriately horrified by it and came to believe that Hitler meant it, and that this is one of the key things between true conservatives in foreign policy and virtually everybody else. True conservatives start with a knowledge of history. And they know that very often when an evil person says they want to do evil things, they actually mean it. Virtually everybody else, because they live in a positive democratic society where there are real rules and limits to the game, everybody else actually translates psychologically what evil people are saying. I sometimes describe it as the Lion King syndrome, that there are people who believe that the Lion King movie is actually a documentary and that lions and zebras actually dance together and have a great time. So if you show them a genuine documentary of lions and zebras, it's horrifying because it turns out lions eat zebras. And of course, that just screws up the whole point of the Lion King, which is a happy version of reality, except it's not reality. Well, the same thing happens, I think, with our elites when they look at places like China or they look at the Soviet Union, as it was then, or if they look at Hamas. And Hamas has been very clear. So in the tradition of Churchill, who consistently in the 30s warned that Hitler was evil, that he represented a threat to all of Christian civilization, which is the term that Churchill would have used, and that the British had to be very well armed and prepared to stop him militarily because he was in fact committed to a worldview which was incompatible with the survival of Great Britain. Churchill was the only major political figure to believe that. At one point in the 1930s, he was so isolated, he only had three or four supporters out of 635 members of the British Parliament. And yet what happened was, month by month, Hitler proved Churchill was right. And gradually the British public came to believe that Churchill was correct in saying that they had to stop Hitler, not appease him. Now, appeasement at that time was actually the dominant thinking of the elites. They'd been through World War I. They were terrified of another great bloodletting. And so they thought if they could appease Hitler and make him happy, then you could avoid the war. In fact, there's a famous scene where George Kennan, who then is an American diplomat in Czechoslovakia, after the Munich Agreement between Chamberlain and Deladier and Hitler and Mussolini, Kennan writes in his diary, if only the Czechs will be reasonable, then we can avoid war. As though the Czechs will be responsible for starting World War II if they actually want to survive as an independent country. And literally, the Munich Agreement was a total sellout of the Czechs. And because of that, it was a total sellout of the alliance system, which had been designed to contain both the Soviet Union and Nazi Germany. Well, Churchill understood all this instantly because he had a model in his head that said, Hitler will continue to expand until he's stopped. So if you're not stopping him, you're allowing him to expand. The way Churchill framed it at one point is he said, if you feed the crocodile hoping to appease it, the crocodile will get bigger. And when it's big enough, the crocodile will eat you. So by feeding the crocodile, you're creating the grounds for your own loss of existence. So in the tradition of actually going to source documents and to the actual actors, you know, for example, Hitler's quite clear that he's going to exterminate the Jews. 
Now, in the West, that was described as typical German anti-Semitism and a great exaggeration because, of course, no rational moral person could do that. Well, they were right. No rational moral person could do that. And Hitler was not rational, nor was he moral, because he actually meant it. When he had power, he actually tried to do it. And millions of people died because of the failure to confront Hitler when he could have been confronted. In fact, in 1945, when Stanley Baldwin, who had been the prime minister during the period when the British government was literally lying to the British public about the buildup of the Luftwaffe, the German Air Force, his 90th birthday for Baldwin was in 45. Churchill refused to send him a congratulatory letter and said to his staff, millions have died because of this man's lies, and I will not honor him. Well, the same thing is happening here. We have had two generations of Western elites lying about Hamas and lying about Israel, and it's getting worse. At one time, the Democratic Party was relatively stable and relatively aware of the problems and was supportive of Israel's existence. Increasingly, the radical wing of the Democratic Party is anti-Semitic. They won't say this. Their policies would lead to the extinction of Israel. Now, if you force them to it, they would say, well, you know, it'll all work out. But it won't all work out because the ground rule of Mein Kampf applies directly to the leadership of Hamas. So let's go to the source documents and to the source personalities. And I'm just going to share with you what Hamas itself says. And then I'm going to talk about how that plays into what both Israel's strategy should be and what America's strategy should be. Hamas, which calls itself the Islamic Resistance Movement, issued a covenant in August of 1988. It's clear what it stands for. It has 36 separate articles in the covenant, all of which promote the basic Hamas goal of destroying the state of Israel. Now here are some examples. The Islamic resistance movement is a distinguished Palestinian movement whose allegiance is to Allah and whose way of life is Islam. It strives to raise the banner of Allah over every inch of Palestine. So tell me how, if your next door neighbor wanted every inch of your property, how do you negotiate that? On the destruction of Israel, Hamas said, Israel will exist and will continue to exist until Islam will obliterate it just as it obliterated others before it. And in many ways, in the thinking of Hamas and fellow terrorists, they go back to the Christian kingdoms of around 1000 AD, the rise of Saladin, and the ultimate destruction of the Christian kingdoms. And so they see this as a similar interim that, yes, the West has come in. Yes, it's occupied Jerusalem. They did this before. We defeated them in the end. And so we'll defeat them. And notice, they're talking about exist. Israel will exist. They're not talking about a world in which Israel continues to exist. They don't even contemplate a smaller Israel, a weaker Israel. They contemplate an Israel that no longer exists. They go on to say that the whole space of Palestine is exclusively Muslim. Quote, the land of Palestine is an Islamic holy possession, consecrated for future Muslim generations until Judgment Day. No one can renounce it or any part or abandon it or any part of it. So what's the basis of a negotiation with your next door neighbor when they say that they can't negotiate any of it? 
goes on to say, Palestine is an Islamic land. Since this is the case, the liberation of Palestine is an individual duty for every Muslim, wherever he may be. And liberation, by the way, of course, means the end of Israel. So they called for jihad or holy war. Quote, the day the enemies usurp part of Muslim land, jihad becomes the individual duty of every Muslim. In the face of the Jews' usurpation, it is compulsory that the banner of jihad be raised. So the very existence of Israel requires a religious war. They go on to say, quote, and I'm quoting Hamas, ranks will close, fighters joining other fighters, and masses everywhere in the Islamic world will come forward in response to the call of duty loudly proclaiming, hail to jihad. This cry will reach the heavens and will go on being resounded until liberation is achieved, the invaders vanquished, and Allah's victory comes about. So notice, the Israelis are invaders. They have to be defeated. And that leaves very little ground for negotiation. While the naive, soft, and I think self-deceiving Westerners in our elites call for a negotiated peace settlement, here's what Hamas says. And I'm quoting, peace initiatives and so-called peaceful solutions and international conferences are in contradiction to the principles of the Islamic resistance movement. Those conferences are no more than a means to appoint the infidels as arbitrators in the lands of Islam. There is no solution for the Palestinian problem except by jihad. Initiatives, proposals, and international conferences are but a waste of time and exercise in futility. So the next time you hear some well-meaning, naive Western leader call for a ceasefire, remember, this is considered by Hamas a waste of time and exercise in futility. And the only purpose on their world for having a ceasefire is to prepare for the next war because they will continue to wage war until Israel ceases to exist. They condemned the Israeli-Egypt peace treaty. They said, quote, Egypt was to a great extent removed from the circle of struggle through the treacherous Camp David agreement. The Zionists are trying to draw other Arab countries into similar agreements in order to bring them outside the circle of struggle. Leaving the circle of struggle against Zionism is high treason, and cursed be he who perpetrates such an act. Well, if you think of what Donald Trump was doing with creating the Abrahamic Accords, with getting Bahrain, the United Arab Emirates, Morocco, all of them beginning to agree to work with Israel, this was horrifying if you were Hamas. These people were engaged in, quote, high treason. The people who are willing to coexist with Israel, cursed be he who perpetrates such an act. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. 
guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. The underlying anti-Semitism, which again, all of our nice Western elites just close their eyes. They pretend it doesn't happen. This is what they say. According to Article 7 of the Hamas documents, the day of judgment will not come about until Muslims fight Jews and kill them. Then the Jews will hide behind rocks and trees, and the rocks and trees will cry out, O Muslim, there is a Jew hiding behind me. Come and kill him. Now, explain to me, as a historian, I don't quite get this. How can the Western elites be so willfully blind that facing an opponent who says, even if you hide behind a tree, the tree will tell us where you are and tell us to come and kill you. And these are the people we're told that Israel has to find some way to live with. It's important to understand that in Hamas's own mind, this is not an isolated struggle just over Palestine or just over the territories of Gaza, the West Bank, and Israel. As they say themselves in Article 32 of the original document, quote, Hamas regards itself the spearhead and the vanguard of the circle of struggle against world Zionism. Islamic groups all over the Arab world should also do the same, since they are the best equipped for their future role in the fight against the warmongering Jews. So you have all of these blood-curdling, vicious comments, but of course it's the Jews who are the warmongers. That's the world of Hamas. And by the way, it's also a world in which Islamic extremists think that cutting off the head of a teacher in France is terrific because it's part of the great global struggle. Massacring Christians in northern Nigeria is terrific because it's part of the global struggle. Every time you turn around, Hamas is tied into, with Iran, a global struggle against Western civilization. And any violence, any betrayal, any savagery is legitimate in the way they think of what this fight is all about. Now, their leaders reinforce all these statements. Everything I've said today so far has been literally a document adopted by Hamas. It's reinforced in various sermons. For example, Atala Abu al-Sub, former Hamas minister of culture, 
on Al-Aqsa TV in 2011 said, quote, the Jews are the most despicable and contemptible nation to crawl upon the face of the earth because they have displayed hostility to Allah. Allah will kill the Jews in the hell of the world to come, just like they killed the believers in the hell of this world. The Jews kill anyone who believes in Allah. They do not want to see any peace whatsoever on earth. Now, you could hardly have a more clear statement of total war. And remember, this is in a sermon. So you go to the mosque to be instructed on the will of God, and the will of God is, of course, that you have to kill all the Jews. And that's literally the phrase. Remember, Allah will kill all the Jews. That's part of this sermon. And that's the people that we're telling Israel they have to negotiate with. A statement made by Hamas's leader against Israel in 2012. Liberating Palestine, all of Palestine, is an obligation. The jihad and the armed resistance are the true and correct way to liberation. Palestine, from the Jordan River to the Mediterranean Sea, from the north to the south, is our land. There will be no surrender of even the smallest piece of it. It is unthinkable that we would recognize the legitimacy of the Israeli occupation of it. Now notice, when they talk about negotiating, how do you negotiate with somebody who says, all of your property is mine? And your next-door neighbor says, I want your house, your garage, your yard. I want your dog. I also would like, by the way, to have all of your cars. And no, I'm not even going to allow you to keep your children's playset because, quote, all of it is our land. I think the Hamas leadership are serious people. They have a serious belief system. They actually mean what they're saying. And they are educating millions of people to believe what they're saying. And this is a little bit like what happened in Nazi Germany. I mean, people tend to forget it wasn't just Hitler. Most Germans accepted what Hitler wanted to do. And most Germans accepted Hitler's interpretation of history. So similarly, if you look at Palestine now, if you look at Gaza, if you look at the West Bank, the schools teach children various lessons that are appropriate for what I'm reading you from their leadership. And it is subsidized by the West and the United Nations, and it's tolerated. Well, you get two or three or four generations being given this kind of blood-curdling, unbelievably hostile values, and they believe them because they've been told that's the truth in terms of prattling on about negotiated truces. The official statement of Hamas in 2017, no one in the universe can disarm us. On the contrary... We will continue to have the power to protect our citizens. No one has the ability to extract from us a recognition of the occupation. Disarming us is like Satan dreaming of heaven. No one can take away our weapons. So it's a little hard for me to understand. You know, I always ask people when I'm told about big strategies and big plans, I always say, and then what? So we have a truce. And then what happens? Well, what they're telling us is, one, They're not going to give up recognition of any land. Israel will not exist in their world. Two, they're not going to give up any weapons. They will rearm with the help of Iran and others. And the ceasefire is purely a tactical device to let them get their breath and to allow them to prepare for the next great fight. They launched thousands of missiles in the 2014 fight. 
They have better missiles today. They are more dangerous. And there's no question in my mind that if they get a truce, what they will actually have learned is that they can punch Israel and then hunker down and hope that the West will save them. And then they will rearm so that the next time this starts, they'll have even more missiles and even more effective weapons. And their goals are very clear. Fatih Hamad, the Hamas senior leader at a rally in July 2019, quote, There are Jews everywhere. We must attack every Jew on planet Earth. We must slaughter and kill them with Allah's help. We will lacerate and tear them to pieces. Now, how do you negotiate with a person like that? You had a really serious look at Hamas. You would realize you have to break the organization. You have to eliminate its capacity to wage war. And you have to profoundly reform all of its cultural institutions so that they teach the ability to live side by side with other people. Now, that is basically total war. But the reason you'll have no choice is that's what Hamas is engaged in, total war. And I'd love to have some of our left-wing anti-Semitic friends explain what they think lacerate and tear them to pieces means. You get these intellectuals who get in these rooms and they can talk their way out of anything. And so you hand them real statements that we know were said by real leaders. Again, Fatih Hamad says the following. People of Jerusalem, we want you to cut off the heads of the Jews with knives. With your hand, cut their artery from here. A knife costs five shekels. Buy a knife, sharpen it, and put it there, and just cut off their heads. It costs just five shekels. With those five shekels, you will humiliate the Jewish state. The Jews have spread corruption and acted with arrogance, and their moment of reckoning has come. The moment of destruction at your hands has arrived. So... The guys that President Biden and others want to have a truce with are wandering around saying, you know, for those of you who don't have weapons yet, why don't you get a knife and go cut off somebody's head? Now, again, how do you negotiate with a next door neighbor who is sitting out front sharpening his knives? There's a level of horror involved here that it's very, very hard for people living in a free society to understand. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. 
Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Now, my view of all this as a historian is basically Churchillian. Churchill would have understood, as he did with Adolf Hitler, that we are confronting pure evil. We're confronting a movement whose explicit goal is killing nine million people, which is more than Hitler achieved in the Holocaust. We're dealing with people who laugh at the idea that they're going to negotiate. When they hear Western diplomats or Western politicians or Western news media wandering around prattling on about we need to have a peace negotiation. They just think, you know, the Westerners are so stupid. And, of course, in the long run, their ultimate goal will be having, once they destroy Israel, will be to pivot against all of Western civilization, starting with Europe and then ending with America. And that's why you now have the president of France, who tried moderation and has now moved towards a tougher and tougher anti-terrorist position. That's why you have a growing awareness across all of the Western world, and by the way, across much of the Muslim world. I mean, when Egypt and Bahrain and the United Arab Emirates and Jordan and Morocco are all recognizing Israel, they're telling us something real, that they've concluded that they can coexist with Israel and that they think there's a better future working with the Israelis than trying to kill them. But Hamas is an outlier. There's no reason the Palestinian people have to live in fear. There's no reason they have to live in poverty. They're next to the wealthiest country in terms of manufacturing as opposed to oil in all of the Middle East. And an Israeli economy transported into Gaza and the West Bank would overnight improve the lives of the Palestinian people. But it would destroy their political leadership. And so their political leadership would rather have their own people live in fear, have their own people live under terrible circumstances, And you see this if you look at one of the great, to me, astonishing commentaries on where we are. Various groups, including the United Nations and the United States, set up programs to help in Gaza and help on the West Bank. And some of the programs involve building, for example, hospitals or schools. The amount of cement that is supposedly ordered for the hospitals but turned into the tunnels so that they can literally tunnel under Israel's border so that they can, in a war, suddenly show up in your backyard. Some of these tunnels are very long and are designed to carry trucks and tanks and what have you. The Israelis routinely go out and find them and destroy them. But what we're doing is essentially a rope-a-dope, subsidized and supported, 
by the Western elites. So we know that the concrete's going into these tunnels. We know that the purpose of the tunnels is to get behind Israeli defenses and come out and kill people. And we know that none of the current leadership in Hamas could be counted on to keep their word. So the answer is we send them more money, just as there's a grave danger that the Biden administration will have learned nothing and will send billions to the Iranian dictatorship, even though we know that they are continuing their nuclear program and we know that they're the primary sponsors of terrorism in the Middle East. But once our bureaucracies and once our liberal elites have got something fixed in their brain, they just keep moving in that direction. I believe ultimately either Israel will be worn out and will gradually be absorbed and destroyed. And that will be done, by the way, only because the Western so-called democracies decide that they're prepared to coerce Israel. If that doesn't happen, then I believe you're faced with 20, 30, 50, maybe 100 years of continuous erosive warfare, which cheats the Palestinian people of the opportunity to have a decent future, to create an economy, to live in peace, keeps them subjected to corrupt dictators who use the war against Israel as an excuse to run really vicious secret police and really ruthless anti-Western and anti-Israeli programs, including the brainwashing of their children. And I think there's a real danger that over time, despite all of the advantages that the Israeli military has, between Hezbollah, which is the Iranian-supported force in the north in South Lebanon, which has actually more missiles, many more missiles than Hamas, between Hezbollah and Hamas, there is a real danger that Israel will simply be worn out. People don't like to live in a neighborhood, as somebody wrote the other day, where you have to stop your basketball game during the missile attack, and then you go back to the basketball game after the missile attack's over. It's not a very pleasant way to live. It's doable, and the Israeli people have shown enormous courage and enormous dedication. But in the long run, it erodes the quality of life and creates other kinds of difficulties. I would argue for at least three things. One, no ceasefire. Hamas started this deliberately. They should be methodically torn apart and lose all of their capacity to wage war. And the fighting should not stop until the Israelis have basically broken Hamas's ability to fight. Two, there should be tremendous coercion from outside. There is no excuse for any Western democracy to fund programs which are overtly anti-Semitic, which teach young people to hate Israel, and which create the environment for the future. That, I think, guarantees you're going to have several more generations of hatred because that's what they're taught every day in school. And along with changing the schools, they should eliminate all these programs. For example, somebody in your family is a successful suicide bomber. Your family gets a monthly payment. Well, that, of course, increases the number of people willing to be suicide bombers. So there's an entire industry of terror which has to be torn apart. You know, at the end of World War II, the Allies created a program which was designed to rid German and Austrian society of the Nazis' hatred and the things that had been done to people. It was carried out by removing those who had been Nazi party or SS members from positions of power. Mayors were kicked off, city councilmen were kicked off, and the program of denazification was launched after the end of the war 
and was solidified by the Potsdam Agreement in August 1945. Now, we need sort of a de-terrorism program for Hamas, comparable to denazification in Germany and Austria. And until we have an effective de-terrorism program for Hamas, we should not expect anything to change because they're not going to change voluntarily. And that gives you a sense of the scale of the challenge. My final observation on all this is that because we have not been willing to stand up and tell the truth, we've created a space in which increasingly anti-Semitic and increasingly anti-Israel politicians are popping up, particularly on the left. And there's probably greater hostility today to Israel in the Democratic Party than ever in its history. This is ultimately very dangerous and could lead to the strategic defeat of Israel. And just go back through and look at what I shared with you today about what Hamas itself says. The defeat of Israel will be the slaughter of millions. This is not a game. It's not a PR strategy. It's not being clever. And unfortunately, most of our academics make their living, whether they're in government or they're in think tanks or they're in colleges, they make their living being clever in a world where cleverness gets killed. And instead, they should be thinking profoundly about why does Hamas say all this? Why does Hamas run schools of indoctrination? Why is the no ability to get Hamas to say a couple simple words? Israel has a right to exist. You can negotiate how big Israel should be. You can negotiate a lot of things. But if you can't even say the words, Israel has a right to exist, then you are in a permanent state of war. And that's what we need to understand. No matter what the politicians do, as long as Hamas has the capacity to wage war, it is in a permanent state of war with Israel. And all of the rest is simply manipulating us, duping us, and creating false fronts designed to count on our being so naive and so guilt-ridden that we can't see the truth even as it is stated explicitly. And in a sense, with contempt. I mean, they say these things publicly because they know that the Americans aren't going to do anything, the British aren't going to do anything, the French aren't going to do anything. They're going to find excuses for not doing anything. And I think this is a great opportunity to learn, but the odds are pretty high that our elites simply will refuse, which is what Churchill discovered. Churchill ultimately comes to power, not because his arguments won out, but because reality caught up with his arguments. And it was sometime between seizing the Czech Republic and then invading Poland that finally people said, you know, it's not going to be possible to find a way to work with Hitler. We simply have to defeat him. Well, we ought to have a similar tough-minded approach to Hamas and recognize that this is a mortal threat dedicated to the total destruction of Israel, the massacre of millions of people, and totally opposed to Western civilization. And we should react accordingly. Newt's World is produced by Gingrich 360 and iHeartMedia. Our executive producer is Debbie Myers. Our producer is Garnsey Sloan. And our researcher is Rachel Peterson. The artwork for the show was created by Steve Penley. Special thanks to the team at Gingrich 360. If you've been enjoying Newt's World, I hope you'll go to Apple Podcast and both rate us with five stars and give us a review so others can learn what it's all about. Right now, listeners of Newt's World can sign up for my three free weekly columns at gingrich360.com newsletter. I'm Newt Gingrich, 
This is Newt's World. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeartRadio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action, and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network. Work.